and that can be found on page 1013. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's good to be here tonight, uh, sharing from God's word with you. I might thank God for the time we've got, and then we'll make a start. Uh, So let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have kept us safe through this week and you have brought us here tonight. We ask that you help us now to focus on your word, to listen to what it has to say, and to apply it to our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as you've already heard tonight, as we've been going through the service, we're thinking about Matthew chapter 6 tonight and particularly anxieties and concerns. And so I thought to start off with what we might do is a bit of an anxiety test. So I'm going to give you a few different situations and you need to think about whether you'd be anxious if you were in that situation. Okay, I'll then give you some scores at the end and you can figure out how anxious you are. So our first situation, you're at home wrestling with your brother or sister or cat or dog or goldfish or whatever you have and you fall into the wall, putting a hole in the wall. Your parents won't be home for another hour but when they do get home, you'll need to tell them what you've done. Are you anxious? Second situation, you get your maths test back at school you only got 25 out of 100 and you need to tell your parents who are Asian. (laughs) Are you anxious? Third situation, you're in your your car driving along, you're playing Pokemon Go while doing so, you see a squirtle so you look down to catch it and as you look down, bang, you hit into the car in front of you and you just realised you forgot to renew your car insurance. Are you anxious? Fourth situation, you open up your electricity bill and it turns out it's double what you were expecting and you're not getting paid for another fortnight. Are you anxious? And final situation, you get to church and find out you're going to have to do an anxiety test where you reveal to all the people around you just how anxious you are. Are you anxious? 
So now I'll give you some, um, so tally up how many of those you said yes to and I'll give you some, a bit of a chart to know just how anxious you are. So if you said yes to all five of those situations, then you're an emotionally unstable ticking time bomb just waiting to explode at the slightest drop of a hat. If you said yes to between two to four of them, you're fairly normal. If you said yes to only one of those, then you're made of steel, capable of withstanding all the things that life will send your way. If you didn't say yes to any of those, then you're a heartless, emotionless, anxiety-less non-human. But in all seriousness, even if those situations in particular wouldn't make you anxious, wouldn't make you worried, I'm sure you can think of things or situations that do. For some of us, maybe we're worried about our exams or assignments that we have coming up. How will we go on them? What marks will we get? For others, maybe we're anxious about what people think about us. What do our friends say about us when we're not there? Or maybe you're anxious about dating someone, when will you get a girlfriend or boyfriend? Who will it be? Or if you're dating someone already, what will happen with it? Will you get married? Will you not? For the parents here, maybe you're anxious about the same things for your kids from the other side. How will they go with their studies? How are they getting on with their workmates or their uni mates or their schoolmates? Who will they date? Who will they get married to? Or maybe you're just anxious about how you'll provide for your family. See, we all have things that we're anxious about. We all have things that make us concerned, that make us worried. So how do we avoid being swamped by them? How do we avoid being overwhelmed by these things in life that make us anxious? Well, that's what our passage tonight is about, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus gives us two comforting words, two comforting ideas as to how we avoid being anxious. Firstly, we don't need to be anxious because God cares and we don't need to be anxious because we're not godless. And so instead, we should seek the kingdom of God. So firstly, don't be anxious because God cares. Verses 25 to 30. Verse 25 is a bit of an introduction verse for us. It tells us what the topic is, don't worry, don't be concerned. And it tells us what it's about, the necessities in life. Have a look at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more more than food and the body more than clothes? So Jesus tells us, don't be worried about what we'll eat or drink. Don't be worried about what we'll wear. So in other words, don't be worried about how you'll survive, what the bare necessities are. And Jesus uses two pictures to make this point for us. The first is the birds. And he says birds don't sow, birds don't farm or store up food, and yet they still have enough food. Have a look at verses 26 and 27. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The picture's clear, isn't it? We don't see birds out farming. Birds don't have little hats out in the birdseed farms with little bird-sized tractors and little bird-sized watering cans just waiting to collect up their birdseed harvest. Like We don't see that, do we? Birds don't farm. And yet, they still have plenty of food, still have enough food, to survive. 
And Jesus' point is this, if that's how much God cares for the birds, if that's how much God provides for birds, how much more will he provide for us who are so much more valuable? And we know that, don't we? We as humans are more valuable than birds. I can go and kill and eat a chicken and no one kind of cares. But I can't go and kill and eat a human, can I? I can go to McDonald's and I can get a pack of 24 chicken nuggets for $10. But I can't go and buy a box of 24 humans for however much. We're so much more valuable than birds. And if that's how much God takes care of birds, how much more will he take care of us? And he does do it, doesn't he? I mean, none of us here realistically need to be concerned that we're going to starve to death. We don't need to be concerned about where our next meal is coming from. And I I think, though, the issue is that we have incorrect expectations. We want so much. We're so blessed here in Australia that we want more. We don't want to eat the home brand stuff. We want to eat name brand. We don't want to have to eat at home every night. We want to go out and eat dinner out. And so because our expectations are off a little bit, sometimes it feels like God's not providing for us when he actually is. We don't need to be worried because God cares and God provides. And so the second, the second picture that Jesus gives us makes that same point. It's in verses 28 to 30. This time it's the same thing, but it's focusing on flowers. Uh, blokes, if you don't know what flowers are, they're those things that smell weird and you give to girls to make them like you. And Jesus uses these things called flowers to make the same point, except this time it's about clothes. Flowers don't care what they look like. They don't have a flower fashion industry. They don't have flower fashion designers. There's no flower, I've got to pronounce this correctly, flower Gucci or flower Calvin Klein or flower Chanel. There's no such thing, is there? And yet, they're still clothed better than any human could be. Have a look at verses 28 to 29, 28 to 30. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Flowers look good, even if they don't do anything to look good. They look even better than Solomon, one of the most wealthy kings that ever existed. And if that's how well God clothes flowers, which I can go and buy a bouquet of cheap flowers for $5, how much more will he care for us who are so much more valuable than flowers? And he does that, doesn't he? Like the food, none of us need to be concerned about what we're going to wear. We all have plenty of clothes. None of us are going to have to walk around naked. In fact, we have the opposite issue, don't we? Uh, My wife and I moved houses fairly recently and so I went and sorted through all my clothes and uh, gave away to charity some of my old ones. And so I'm a guy and I don't wear many clothes and I still gave away between 20 to 30 items of clothes that I just never wear. And so imagine, I'm sure some of you have whole closets full that you never wear. We don't need to be anxious or concerned about our clothes. We've got plenty of clothes. The problem is our expectations are off. We want the latest in thing, the newest fashion. We don't want to walk around in your daggy dad's hand-me-downs. We want the new stylish thing. 
But God provides. He gives us way more clothes than we actually need. So we have no need to be anxious because God cares. And so the point of both of these illustrations shows that if that's how much God cares for something of little value, how much more will he care for something of big value? And we all kind of understand that, don't we? It all makes makes sense to us because that's what we do. We take care of the things we value more. I take better care of my phone than I do of a pen. I take better care of my car than I do of the junk mail I get in my letterbox because it's much more valuable. Uh, When I was younger, I've brought it along to show you. When I was younger, I had um, one of the original uh, blocky Game Boys. I don't know if you guys know what this is. It's a uh, video game device. And so I took amazing care of that. I got that 20 years ago. I took amazing care of it when I was younger. I had this special case that I used to take it around in. I kind of cleaned it all the time. I made sure it didn't fall and bounce off the ground. And it's because I took such good care of it, if that had batteries in it, it would still work today, 20 years later. That's because it was my most valuable prized possession. Yet other things I had when I was younger, I didn't take care of them. My school textbooks, I got torn and damaged extremely quickly. Um, My pens were lucky if they didn't get snapped within a week. Um, My school bag was the worst of all. It was dirty and grimy and wet. Uh, There used to be a companion peach I had living down the bottom of it (laughs) to keep me company. But we all take care of better things, don't we? Things we value more, we take better care. And it's the same with God, except God takes care of both. He takes great care of the birds and the flowers, yet he takes even better care of us because he values us more. Don't be anxious because God cares. And this then flows into our next point. We don't need to be anxious because we're not godless. We know that God is there. We know that God cares. We know that God is on our side. So we don't need to be anxious. But those who don't have God, those who don't know that God's on their side, do need to be anxious. They do need to worry about where their food's coming from or where their clothes are coming from. Because they don't have God there or they don't know God's there providing for them. And that's the point Jesus makes. Have a look at verses 31 to 32. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Those without God, the pagans, have to worry, because they don't have God to rely on. But we do, we have God, we're not godless. But when I am anxious, when I am concerned, that what I'm actually doing is being like those who don't have God. I'm saying to God, God, I don't believe you. I don't think you can take care of me. I don't think you'll look after me. I'm being godless in my actions. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. You have God. I had a chance to put this into practice this week. Um, As you can tell by looking at me, I'm extremely manly. But one of the things I'm not particularly manly about Uh, is my knowledge of cars. So I'm able to fill my car up with petrol and I'm able to change the tyre and that's about all I'm able to do. Unfortunately, my car started having some issues and so my wife and I were at the other side of the city uh, visiting family and this light came on on my car saying engine overheating, pull over. And me not knowing what to do with cars was like, oh no, what's going on? 
And so we pulled over and we got RACV to come out. And basically they told us the engine's not overheating, it's just a faulty um, sensor on the board. The problem is with it being a um, supposedly smart car is it thinks that the engine's overheating because the sensor is faulty, even though the engine's not overheating, which means that I could be driving along at any time and as a safety precaution, it would turn my engine off and I can't drive it or turn it on again. And so we were stuck at the other side of the city with an hour journey to get home with a car that could turn off at any minute and not start again. And so I was understandably quite anxious. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, how are we going to get home? And so I prayed and I asked God, please, God, help me. Please help us get home. And in God's kindness, he did. We managed to get home and the light only came on again five minutes away from home. So God was kind and got us home. But I was reflecting on it afterwards and I was thinking, why was I anxious? I've literally just been working on this passage. I've just been thinking about it saying, don't be anxious. Why am I anxious? And I think it's because we doubt God's goodness. We doubt that God actually does care and that God actually will provide. Even though we know it in our heads, sometimes we doubt it in our hearts. We doubt that God cares. But Jesus is saying he does care. God does care and we're not godless. So we need to give it to God and trust in him. And although Jesus uses the example of clothes and food, it's much wider than that, isn't it? It's much wider than just the bare centuries. God cares about everything. God is there for everything, whatever our concerns. Whatever concerns you're feeling at the moment, whether it's your year 12 sacks and assignments, whether it's coping with the load you've been given at work, whether, whether it's about whether you'll find a girlfriend or boyfriend, who your husband or wife will be, how your kids are fitting in at school, your sick grandparents or parents, how long your job will last, whatever our concerns, whatever our anxieties, God is there and God cares. And when we understand this, when we realise that God is there and God cares, it lifts a huge burden off our shoulders. We don't need to be anxious. That anxiety is lifted off and that enables us to do something much better than be anxious, much better than being worried. And that is to seek God's kingdom. Have a look at verses 33 and 34. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, as soon as I let go of my anxieties, as soon as I let go of my concerns, as soon as I give them to God, then the weight is gone and I'm able to instead seek God's kingdom. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? But what does, it, what does Jesus mean when he says God's kingdom? It's quite a kind of religious term, but it's not that clear, is it? So what does Jesus mean by God's kingdom? Well, when Matthew, the author of this gospel, is using the word kingdom, what he's talking about is not a physical kingdom. What he's talking about is the act of God's kingship. So it's not a realm, it's not a place where God is king or a people that God is king over. Rather, it's the act of God being king. And so what it means to seek God's kingdom is to put ourselves under God as king, 
to do everything we can to extend God's act of being king. It's everything about advancing God's kingship. So the first thing we need to do then is to be under that kingship, to accept God as our king. And so God promises that if we go under him as king, he will take care of everything. How do we get under him as king? Well, it all comes, it all comes to us through, it all focuses on Jesus. God's promised that if we seek him, if we seek his kingship, he will reveal himself. And he, the way he revealed himself was through Jesus. God came down into the world as Jesus to die in our place so that we could be saved and fix our relationship with him. And that's the ultimate way that God cares for us. That's the ultimate need that God meets. And once we've accepted God as king, then that need is met. That's how simple it is. Accepting God as king. Accepting that Jesus died in our place. And once we've accepted God as king, once we've accepted that Jesus died in our place, then our job then is to seek God's kingdom by extending it out to others. We want to help others get into God's kingdom under God's kingship. And Jesus is saying this this is not an optional. It's not an optional extra on top of being saved. So I can be a Christian, I'm under God's kingship, but I don't want to help others get under. No, he's saying that that is a must. That is what we must do. That is part of being under God's kingship. But why wouldn't I want to do that? If I know that God's a good king who provides for me, who cares for me, who's there for me, why would I not want to help other people get under that king? Why would I not want to help others come to know God? And so once we know that God has it covered, once we know God has our needs met, it lifts a weight off our shoulders and enables us to seek God's kingdom, to help others seek God's kingdom. In closing, I want to uh, tell you about someone who I think is an amazing example of this. Uh, she's a young girl. She's a middle school aged girl. But she's captured this idea perfectly. This idea that once you let go of your anxieties and concerns, it enables you to then go and seek God's kingdom. She does all sorts of amazing things in terms of helping extend God's kingdom. So she prays for her friends and asks God to help pull them into his kingdom. She invites them along to youth group and church things. She even went to her school principal and asked her school principal if she could start up a lunchtime Bible study. Uh, Even more incredible than that, she tells her friends when they want to play with her at lunchtime, she says, okay, we'll go and play, but first you need to listen to me tell you about Jesus. How amazing is that? She's captured this idea of God's kingship. It's the most important thing and she's trying to help all these other people get into that kingship. She's so young, she's literally more than half my age and yet I'm so humbled and challenged when I think about the way she seeks God's kingdom. How amazing would it be if that's what we were like? How amazing would it be if all of us realised that, let go of our anxieties and instead seek God's kingdom? Imagine being in her situation. It would be daunting, wouldn't it? It would be overwhelming. It would be quite, you'd be quite anxious. You'd be thinking, what, what will my friends think about me if I tell them about Jesus? What's the principal going to think? What's my teachers going to think? 
Will they laugh at me? Will they think I'm stupid? Will they not talk to me again? There's so many concerns and anxieties she could be overwhelmed by. And instead she lets God take care of them and just seeks God's kingship. She's understood what it's about and how great would it be if that's what we were like, if we all understood it like this, if we all had that weight of our worries and anxieties lifted off. That's what I want to be like. That is what I want to be like. And parents, I'm not a parent yet, hopefully one day, but not yet. But when I am a parent, that's the kind of kid that I want to have. I want a kid who seeks God's kingdom first, who puts aside their own anxieties and worries and seeks God's kingdom. And that's what I want to model to, uh, to my kids when I have them, to other kids that I know, to youth group, to you guys, to everyone. That's the kind of person I want to be and I want to model. Someone who lets go of my own anxieties and instead seeks the kingdom of God. And that's what I want us as a church to be like. A church that lets go of our anxieties, lets go of our worries and concerns and instead seeks God's kingdom. It's tough, isn't it? There are genuine anxieties and concerns that we face in the world. Life sends tough things our way. But we don't need to be swamped by them. We don't need to be overwhelmed by them because we have the answer. The answer is God. God cares and God is there and God will provide. Because God loves us. I'm going to pray and thank God for that. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you care, that you are there and that you take care of us. We ask that you would help us to seek your kingdom instead. And we pray in your name. Amen. Uh, Wendy's going to come up now and pray for Yoshi and pray about what we've just heard.